Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. Acts 12. Acts chapter 12. What page? All right. All right. You, so I had one. Uh, Wednesday nights in Fargo, I would, I would tell the parents to get their kids out of children's ministry because... I said, we'll keep them. I mean, we don't want them. They're your kids. But if you leave them, we'll find you and we'll bring them back to you. But he always, if I didn't say that every Wednesday night, he'd like, come on, say it. You, you didn't say it. So that's the page number. Well, we left off. Um, really uh, want to come back to repeat in this place. Um, uh, well, let's pray first. Uh, Heavenly Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit tonight as we go through the word uh, concerning the history of the book of Acts, that that this chapter, Lord, we would see your mighty working power extend over the authorities and governments in this world and uh, over, uh, over the power of man to restrict uh, your gospel. And so we glorify your name, Lord Jesus, and ask for your power in the days in which we're living to continue to go forth in all boldness of speech, in all manner of uh, learning prayer by the Holy Spirit to go forth and live for you. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so 12.12 is really, in my mind, where we, we leave the study off in that, that the Apostle Peter has been delivered from prison. I mean, supernatural, miraculous, angel of the Lord comes, leads him past two guard posts. Uh, he was chained between two Roman soldiers, and th- those chains come off. And in, in answer to prayer, as the church had gathered together, to pray without ceasing. Now, we probably don't know a lot of prayer like this, nor do we maybe take a lot of attention, or we haven't become that desperate before the Lord in prayer over certain matters. Now, how this usually works out is we can usually come up with another solution that mankind could actually solve this. And um, I'll throw another book at you in regards to, just by mention, uh, Reese Howell's Intercessor, uh, giving record of a man who uh, really the Holy Spirit laid hold of his life. He agreed to it. And from that point forward, his obedience and then the things that the Lord taught him through obedience unto the Spirit and how to pray and really get answer. Uh, the saints of old used to talk about prayer in the terms of prevailing prayer. So when you read like Andrew Murray or you read E.M. Bounds, you read the dead guys on what they wrote on prayer. The new books on prayer, that it's more convoluted with philosophies and psychologies and other new agey type of ideas have made their way into books on prayer or movies on prayer. And you don't even know it sometimes that, uh, I think if you ever watched the movie War Room, that actually is not biblical prayer in anything that's revealed in the scriptures. And then you can look up Priscilla Schreier and you can look up what she really believes and practices. And, and it's, it's really not orthodox in the practices of belief. Now, as I mentioned that and why I mentioned that, so you don't think of intercessory prayer like you've got to... You know, you have got to get to a prayer method. See what happens when you remove the Holy Spirit from the church? Does, does mankind stop doing things? No. They find a way to make things happen. And 
we're looking at the book of Acts, man did not have to make things happen. In direct answer to prayer, the working of the Holy Spirit, Peter is set free in this prayer that was unceasing. And Peter gets all the way through. He realizes it's not a vision. Verse 12 says he considered this. He's out in the street. He he is now come to aware of, of what's going on, where he's at. And he goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname is Mark, who wrote the gospel according to Mark. Uh, relative of Barnabas, as we'll uncover a little bit uh, more as we continue the study in the book of Acts. Many believe that it's the the gospel, according to Mark, was actually very much influenced or Mark gained most of his understanding from what Peter had shared with him. So many would say, well, why didn't Peter write a gospel? And many would say, well, he actually influenced or provided all the information for what John Mark wrote. Now concerning prayer, we find that as he, he gets to the house, they're still praying. Now, why I mention Reese Howells? Reese Howells had to learn, like you and I do, how God would answer prayer. We have the scriptures, right? You get like, you think of John fifteen seven, and you think of First John, and like, there's incredible promises that when we pray according to his will, we, we, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name, or things like your Father knows the things you need of them before you ask, and you have an answer, and he gives. And, and it starts to, if you take them all together and you put them into this, like you're like, where is this prayer that is to be answered like I'm reading in the scriptures? Now, I, I think, uh, let me just grab my note on this uh, verse. First John 5.14, okay? Just listen up on this. First John 5.14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, uh, with all the medical advancements and things, and uh, even when we get a report of, of cancer, what's our first response usually? Usually it's an oh no and or whatever it might be, how bad, what stage, and, and we immediately, first and foremost, go to a medical solution. Now, Reese Howells grew up in a different era and a different time, but it wasn't that they weren't without medical advancements, and, and he learned how to operate. And why I bring him up is because it's consistent with what we see in Scripture concerning even what I read about learning how to pray according to the will of God. And I remind you, it was God's will to set Peter free from prison. How do I know that? Because Peter was set from prison. Many times we don't know God's will until we begin to pray. And sometimes we start out with our prayers, God, this is my will, answer it. And James says, you ask a miss to spend on your own pleasures. Well, Reese Howells had to learn, like we would have to learn, what is God's will? And he would wait upon the Lord and in prayer, and uh, he would have people come to him because as he began to pray and learn these things, and a guy would come to him and say, I've just been diagnosed by the doctor with tuberculosis, days of TB, in which then they had a prescribed treatment. If that didn't work, if it progressed, got worse and worse. And and the doctors tried everything. And Reese says, go to the doctor. Right? He says, go to the doctor. See what we can do. And when that fails, then the Lord is greater. We still have it. You can try it. You can run everything down. But he had such a confidence, right? 
And this is 1 John 5.14. And this is the confidence. Okay? I have confidence that, that God answers prayer. Chapter 12, book of Acts, God answers prayer. When are we that desperate? Well, this friend of his who sent to him, Reese Howells, praying that he would be healed. So Reese Howells begins to pray and whatever the Holy Spirit said to do. Holy Spirit says, move in with him. See, now, this is where many of us don't learn to pray that way because all of a sudden you're engaged in becoming an answer to your prayer. He moves in with the guy with TB and shares a bedroom with him. Now, do you know what happens? Right? You stay in a room that closely, and sure enough, he also contacted TB. And he's like, well, why would you, why would you ever? See, this is the type of thing that I, that I hand off to you as they were gathered together praying. Peter's already out. Reese Howells had to learn this same thing. As he obeyed the Lord, this particular case, the guy healed, the, the Lord healed the guy with TB after he had done all the medical treatment, after Reese Howells moved in and contracted, and then he was healed. I mean, diagnosed, the doctor, they tested it, everything. And see, this was part of that obedience that the Lord worked with him. Reese Howell's intercessor. In a time frame when, when men were desperate before God in prayer, or at least a man was. And why I bring this up in this context is I stir this up for us, that where, where is this work of us, uh, of God in our lives, concerning the great need for God to do not just miraculous things. So when I bring up cancer, a lot of times... We, we think of, oh no, it's got to have a medical solution. See, and this is the part where, where we come to the scriptures, book of Acts, the work of salvation to continue in the world, what's happening in the world, where are you invested in praying for the gospel to go forth, for the work of God to continue? And that's where I stirred us up last week, and that brings me into this week. And so I'm just, I'm picking up right where, where, where I think I left off. And, and I'm not here to say unto you, Follow me because I'm this great praying example. I, like you, pick up these books and read them, and they become the heroes of the faith. And I want to pray more like this guy, Daniel Nash. If you ever hear his name, I've never heard his name from anyone else other than my pastor who introduced me to him. He's that obscure in history that nobody would even know about him. But he was one of the two prayers who would go ahead of Finney in the Great Awakening in upstate New York. And when Daniel Nash died, went home to be with the Lord, gave him this simple little, humble little grave marker in in this country church in upstate New York. Nobody knows about him. But after he died, Finney virtually stopped going around to preach because there was a power through that answer prayer. The type of power that, that God did to deliver Peter from prison. So Peter comes to the door. He knocks on the gate. A girl named Rhoda came to answer And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and and announced, Peter's at the gate, right? She announces Peter stood there. They said to her, you're crazy. Or I think uh, New King James says, you're beside yourselves. King James says, you're you're mad. And, and, And that's the type of interaction. God has answered their prayers. They're still praying. And they have the answer. And God has answered it. And Peter's there. And they're still praying. Now, one of the things why I bring up Reese Howells is he had to learn something. So when it says that you have the confidence that God hears you, and by faith you believe God has heard you, so he would pray and continue praying and praying until he had the answer from God. 
So many times he would have the answer from God in the spirit that says, you're healed from tuberculosis. And so then he would stop praying. But it didn't mean that. It did not mean that the tuberculosis was gone yet. And he had to learn from the Lord that God still had a timing when he would fulfill the answer to that prayer that you've already asked and you have your answer. And and so he describes many times having the answer to prayer, but waiting for it. And so he would actually, while everybody else was still praying, right? See, a lot of times we're praying not to God, but we're praying for ourselves to be okay with what's going on. Isn't that what it comes down to? Rather than really seeking the Lord in prayer, and when the Lord gives answer, then you don't have to pray about that anymore. So when I use the phrase, prayers that don't go away, someone so close to you in your life that you are so moved over their situation and you can't change it, they can't change it, there's no none of this solution, there's, there's no natural solution, and now you pray to God and you pray until you've received your answer. One guy uh, medically, the doctors sent him, I think, down uh, to where it was warm. So this was Europe, sent him down to where it was warm. And the guy the guy stayed there and stayed there, and, and his condition wasn't changing. He, he was supposed to have, you know, drier air, warmer air to breathe. Nothing's changing. And they were praying for months. And then they, they finally got the answer that the Lord was going to heal him. And then, and then, and then he said to him, because the Holy Spirit said to Reese Howells, he said to the man, he says, the Lord, and he says, now take the Lord at his word and ask him for the date that you're going to be healed. That type of boldness that, that brought forth in that confidence that God had answered these prayers. And so Reese Howell stopped praying when many kept on praying. And even this guy who had received answer from the Lord, it took him a long time to get the date from the Lord. And so he still had his sickness until the Lord gave him the date. And on the very day that God had, had, had given him the date, now Reese says, now rejoice. Rejoice that you have that answer. He had the date. And, he's, and he just, we had, they had to learn. We have to learn. When God answers your prayer, it may be yet, in our minds, delayed before he, before he reveals that answer. So there's a lot to learn, isn't there? Praying to the Almighty God, our Father in heaven, learning how the Holy Spirit is working through prayer. Most of us fall off in the prayers that they just don't keep going in our lives. And, and so prayers that stop, I mean, we stop praying. We, do we, we never arrive at what God's will is because we fall off somewhere along the way with some distractions, something else. And let's just say this, this modern society, culture, busyness. Uh, I mean, if you want knowledge, there, there's no lack of information. Information abounds, yet the power of God hasn't increased in our lives. Now, again, you catch my vantage point. And so when I come to this in verse 15, she keeps on assisting that that he's there. First they say she's crazy. Then they say it's his angel. And he's there. So don't come down on ourselves, right, so hard like, oh, I don't pray as I ought to. These are all the things that we need to learn. We don't know what God what God desires to do until we seek him for what he desires to do. I mean, are you going to be God's counselor and, and say unto him? We're in verse 15, Jim. Yep, chapter 12, verse 15. Yeah, I did. No, you talked loud today. 
Everybody heard you today. So. And they're saying it's his angel. Now, what do you learn from this? See, many times when we go to prayer, are we seeking God or are we seeking the, the feeling? They have the answer. God's already answered the prayer. They're still praying. They're like us. Right? We keep on praying many times past having the answer. The Lord's answered it. I, I have a guy that the first time I met him, uh, he, again, I knew his family. He got saved on a Sunday morning in church in Fargo. And as he got saved, started to talk with him, found out his situation. And I, all I could describe to him, I says, uh, if I can hand anything off to you right now, I said, I want you to become desperate before God in prayer because it was it was involved with his marriage, his wife, what was going on. He had tried to commit suicide. His his brother-in-law found him, stopped the bleeding, got him to the doctor. He didn't die. And he get and he didn't die, obviously, because I saw him the next Sunday and he gets saved in church. And and he became desperate before God in prayer for himself personally because this was such a weight. It had weighed him down so much. Do you realize that that where the world is turning, and even those in the church today, they're turning to what? They're hopeless. And they turn aside to, I got to end this. And, and then there's drugs involved and access. And, and, uh, you know, and, and so don't be surprised that this is the weight that people are carrying. Here you have Peter, you have an apostle. It's because of sharing the gospel. The reasons aren't as important, but the state of being desperate or needy before God in prayer. If you ever pick up the little booklet that Pastor Chuck wrote uh, in the, in the, it's like the, the basic study series, not the one Brian Broderson did later on, like 20 years later, the one that goes way back, that goes through the afterglow with Henry Ganey and, and, the, and the booklet on prayer. They're hard to come by now. They're hard to find. But even as Pastor Chuck wrote on prayer, he just simply, he starts off with this opening statement. Living in such desperate times, he says, I'm amazed that more men are not desperate before God in prayer. So do you sense that we've allowed a substitution of many things of which God is to be the one that supplies, God answers, and and we're just like they are in the Bible. Yeah. So I'll keep moving. I mean, I, I'm kind of on my soapbox to encourage us to prayer, right? Ministry of Intercession. I talked about that last week. A great, a great booklet written by Andrew Murray 125 years ago just to get us to the place of learning intercessory prayer. Reese Howells, intercessor. Why do I bring that up? He learned prayer. You know what he learned? If he could answer the prayer, then God, he's like, why would he be praying to God for the answer when he himself already had the answer and he could meet the need? He had. He was living with his folks, right? Older man, did not get married, living in his parents' house in a room, and and the Holy Spirit, again, as he would go around and he'd see all this, all the homeless, or as he called them, vagabonds, right, or bums, whatever word that was used, and they didn't have a place to live. And the Holy Spirit says to him, right. So he's praying for this, and the Holy Spirit says, "Well, you can, you can, you can answer that prayer. Have him come home and stay with you." And so his parents actually, and his and his family actually said to him, "You can't stay here anymore, living like you live." Because he said all, all he knew is he had to obey the Spirit. And the Spirit taught him that if he had the answer to prayer, he should be the answer. And, and, and so God began to work in these things and learning prayer. And we're really coming to 
a place in the book of Acts which we haven't talked much about, but it's been going on from Acts chapter 2. Well, actually, Acts chapter 1 where they gathered in prayer and the Holy Spirit's given. Acts chapter 2, as the Holy Spirit's given, they begin to pray. And, and into 4, they're in prayer. Into 8, they're, they're in prayer. Into 10, they're in prayer. Peter's praying. Cornelius is praying. In 12, they're in prayer. Now as Herod kills James and Peter's in prison. And then in 13, they're going to be praying. And what comes out of this is a praying, a powerful praying church. It's actually God's power at work. And, and so... E.M. Bounds wrote a a couple of his uh, booklets on prayer, and one worthy of note is The Power of Prayer. And the other one is The Weapon of Prayer. Uh, Tori has a book called The Power of Prayer, and then subtitled, I I forget the subtitle. And what am I presenting unto us? Well, what I see in the book of Acts in history, and what I'm looking at today, we, we really have a prayerless church in many ways. When we describe what, the desperate situation that the church was in and the power of God at work through the preaching of the gospel, salvation, and then answered prayer and the power of God to go forth with the gospel. And we're going to see God put a call upon uh, their lives. And I don't know if it's, it's a factor of the days in which we're living in the days of love growing cold and, and just the coldness and the Lord delays is coming and the church gets sleepy. Satan sings a lullaby to the church. He likes a sleepy church. And, and or distracted church. So Peter being chained, right? They get an answer prayer. And when God answers their prayer, they're like, no, he didn't. That's Acts 12, 15. Rhoda, you're crazy. The only way we can explain this, it's his angel. It's impossible. But isn't that what one of the first things we learn? There is nothing impossible with the Lord. Now, just because we've prayed many impossible prayers and the answer was no. So back to my friend who I said become desperate before God. He's asking God to change his wife's heart, who's now his ex-wife. She's, she's running after other men. The Lord gives him the book of Hosea. Does he take her back? Lord, will she come back? She keeps messing in his life back and forth. He's praying desperate before God. And, and, and I, this week I said to him, God answered the prayer with, with your ex-wife. And the answer is no. So we, we sometimes would prefer to have the answer always be like a promise, yes and amen. But many times, you know what the Lord's answer is? No. Learning that. Learning that God says no to this. You know, and, and then we make ourselves feel good and, and someone writes a poem, whenever God closes a door, he opens a window. And these are pithy sayings. That, are they even true? We don't know. But do we learn the Lord so much that in prayer we're, we're, we're absolutely the same response between us and the Lord. If he says no, that's no. And if he says yes, that's yes. And for us, having an answer, receiving the answer. So the, the answer to all those prayer of Peter getting out is yes. So we tend to make a, take a look at this like, So Peter's in prison, chained between the guards. There's no way he's getting out. Impossible prayer. Oh, that's going to be hard for God to do. See? Immediately we carry our limitations. And we put limitations upon God. So, so, So many times we come to the hopeless situation. And 
part of my working with this guy right from the beginning when he was saved. So I wanted him to learn that nothing's too hard for the Lord. Now, I also don't think it's over for all of his prayers that have gone up for his ex-wife. I wouldn't be surprised one day she comes to her senses and comes back and then says, I, I need to walk with the Lord. Now, I, I, I leave this part of this. We've been told so many times, you know, uh, you think of James, how you have Elijah, a man like Elijah, Elijah, who was a man like us, and yet he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then, and then this phrase, the, the, the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And so we're like, well, I, we, we strive to be men like that, and I, just, I need to be fervent and effectual. And, and yet we have here this group that's praying that God answers a prayer, and they don't even believe that they have their answer, and Peter's there. And not only is this the the impossible prayers, but this other part to this, sometimes we emphasize our faith rather than the one we're praying to. And I think of the damage of the word faith movement who have, you know, they basically have taught false doctrines about the promises and faith. And if you believe God will do, they emphasize certain interactions that Jesus had with people to have faith. And then I I read this and I'm like, those praying in, in, um, in Mary's house, John Mark's mom, I, I can't say that they had faith that Peter would show up. <clears throat> now, I love when God answers prayers and then he has to show you that he answered your prayers. Because he's just, it's just showing you that it wasn't based on your faith, but you're praying and it's God's will. And God did this, and it wasn't because you were such a great prayer. Because usually we're, we're almost every prayer book or almost every sermon on prayer causes you to like, I need, I need to. And I'm just laying this before you in the history of the book of Acts that despite some of their unbelief, God did it anyhow. Sometimes that's not so comfortable of the truth of many of our prayers really aren't, I, I didn't really believe God was going to do that. If we're, if we're honest, or we might deceive and tell everybody, yeah, I was praying for that. And, and you know in your heart you weren't praying that great. You had, a, you had a, a mention prayer to God. Don't you love it when God answers the mention prayers and you're like, it's the Lord. He did this. See, I want to stir us up unto the, the love and good works of, of growing in relationship from the history of the book of Acts. The church wasn't there calculating. Peter's in prison. They're just crying out to the Lord in a, and did they really think God would do it or not? I don't know. I think some of them thought that, that Peter, it was, he was a goner. Didn't stop him from praying or gathering for prayer. And God answers the prayer. And Peter's out. And so Peter continues knocking on the door. And as Peter is knocking on the door, they open the door. They see him. And as they see him, they're astonished. Because they still were thinking it had to be his angel. And maybe they grabbed him. Right? Remember when Jesus raised from the dead? And, and he eats fish in honeycomb because they're like, they thought they saw a ghost. He, so he eats food. Ghosts don't eat food, right? Thought he was a spirit. Now, same thing they're doing here. They probably grabbed Peter to see if he was actually flesh and blood. They're astonished that he's there. And um, in that type of environment, and that's like me sometimes when God answers prayer, I get so excited that God answers the prayer. I I make all this noise. I mean, when I have prayed with someone to receive the Lord, I get more excited than they do sometimes. 
And then they're like, what are you so excited about? I mean, this, they're that excited. So Peter's motioning to them with his hand to keep silent. He declared to them how the Lord brought him out of prison. Now, don't you love this? Many times we, we take the impossible situation. We have the report. We lay out the, the medical report that describes just how bad this cancer is. And we start telling God where he should start healing. And it's in this part of the body. And our prayers, we're like trying to direct him how to. And Peter just simply says, maybe they thought it was impossible because all they could reason was the best way to get Peter out is by some legal, some legal judgment. Lord, I pray that you would influence the judge to, to, to end Roe v. Wade. Remember all those prayers going up recently? And, and now that Roe v. Wade is overturned, now has, has the prayer stopped? We've got to pray more for the change of the heart within. And, and, and so Peter gives the account. And, and so Peter declared them how the Lord did it, how the Lord brought him out. Maybe they were praying for a solution with Herod. Have Herod change his mind. Angel of the Lord comes, wakes him up, supernaturally gets him out of there. <coughs> I love the report. I heard this uh, at a conference uh, about two years ago. How it is that, that um, this, this man who was speaking, his mom would wake up at various times in the middle of the night and begin praying for whatever the Spirit had laid upon her. And she found herself praying for a... This is back in the days of Vietnam, praying for, uh, I don't know if it was by name, but, but she saw the, and the Lord showed her that, that there was a man who was suffering greatly at the hands in the, in the prison camp of the North Vietnamese. And she began to plead. And I think the way the guy, the speaker told it, it was about a half an hour of her just pleading with the Lord to, to rescue him from the pain and the suffering and the beating. And, and, uh, it's one of those ones that you get to have full circle. Later on, this guy met by way of, of this man who used to be in the, Viet, in, in the prison camp, and he was now speaking and giving his testimony of how the Lord came to him one night. And he described that this horrible night, had been beat, suffering, thought he was going to die. And while he was in, in, in prison, he said this old Vietnamese woman came in with with a, a bowl of water, warm water, and washed all of his wounds and and washed him all clean. And and he and then he slept and he and he rested and in a couple days he came to his senses, woke up, and he began to ask the other prisoners, and he would even ask the, the prison guards and says, When did you get when did you get the new help that 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 uh that helps clean up around here? And he says we don't have any new help. And he would describe this woman who would come in and they said, we don't have anybody here like that. Well, in the course of hearing that testimony, finding out the time frame in which he was in prison and his testimony as he would share, and all I could say is that that woman was, in, that God sent an angel and, and ministered unto him. And, and those two men together figured out that, it could very well have been his mom who woke up in the middle of the night praying for one of the prisoners who was suffering, and it all lined up, and then God brought them together full circle later on. This is the type of answered prayer like that happened for Peter. We love hearing stories like that, don't we? But where's the cost of the woman who wakes up in the middle of the night, 
Holy Spirit lays upon her because she has such a relationship because she's agreed with the Holy Spirit to plead for the lives of those suffering in prison. And so God doesn't wake me up for that, right? Are you saying that like I do? I'm saying, Lord, can I have a good night's sleep? But see, the Holy Spirit had worked in her in such a way and probably because of the course of, of her life having those things and then it ultimately affected her son who also was going out. And this is it. This is the work of God. And and so as they opened door, they're excited for this prayer. God did it supernaturally. All that they can explain it is it had to be an angel that did this. Peter had this experience. Now he's there. They're all excited. He says, keep quiet. They don't want to stir up too much or otherwise they'll catch him again. And how the Lord brought him out of prison. He says, now go tell James. Now, obviously, he's not going to tell James who's dead. This is Jesus' brother. We'll see him in chapter 15. This is the one who wrote the book of James. Do you ever take a note to read the book of James with the understanding that he's there? It's said of him, they called him camel knees. I don't know if I've told you that. That's how, they, that's how the early church knew Jesus' brother, James. He prayed. When you read your Bible, do you, do you, do you see how our Lord... Prayed all night, woke up early, out, went out to pray, having prayed all night. And this is the place of what's handed off. So the apostles are going to learn this type of prayer. James learns this type of prayer, this this answer prayer, this uproar. And Peter virtually won't see him. Next day happens, no small stir. What happened with Peter getting free? As soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. I, I imagine this, I don't know if I'm right, but I imagine the cuffs still closed. Peter's not in them. Wouldn't that be, I mean, wouldn't God do stuff like that? Like, that just plain and simple, that they're still locked. All right, which one of you unlocked it? They're locked. How do you get out of there? I don't know. And so then Herod examines them, again, and it might even be with some little pressure, little torture, and, and he puts them to death. He commanded the guard, he examined the guards, commanded that they should be put to death. And then he himself went down from Judea and he goes out to Caesarea by the sea. And he stayed there. Now, it's very understood for a Roman who is given charge to hold a prisoner that if that prisoner was set free, right, think about it, someone could bribe him. Or you, you wouldn't really overpower him. You're not going to overpower four of them. Remember I told you last week you don't get the Christian SWAT team to go in there and overpower the Romans. This, this is impossible, supernatural. And so the punishment for the Roman soldier whose prisoner went free, they had to serve their sentence. From this we infer Peter's sentence and Herod's intention was to put Peter to death and therefore those guards who were guarding him served his sentence by being put to death. Now, as Herod was in Caesarea, now the Holy Spirit gives a brief historical and judgmental or vengeance type of report on Herod. You, you know how Paul writes the Roman church about being submitted? Previously, he wrote unto them, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, saith the Lord. Do you really believe that God answers prayers? 
What if most of the prayers going up right now are the prayers of the saints that look at the suffering church and say, Lord, you've got to do something. Lord, come quickly. Lord, this is wicked what's going on in the world. All those babies being killed. All this happening. And we start to pray prayers of vengeance. Do you understand that? When we're asking God to come, we're asking him to do what? Judge the wicked. Judge the unrighteous. Lord, make these things right. Herod being angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Right? He's, he's their governor. He's, he's king. They're not being subject unto him. He's angry with them. There comes a day. Uh, there, there came, they came to him with one accord, having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, seeking peace. So a portion of the, of, of the people that he rules over along the sea, and they, they had asked for peace because their country was to be supplied with food by the king's country. Remember the prophecy of Agabus? How Barnabas and Saul actually made their way up to Jerusalem because of the famine? And so now they're suffering hunger, and in their hunger they befriend the aid of the king, King Herod. And so as this is taking place, on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne. Now, if you've been to Caesarea by the sea, all you can see now are, are the basic foundational stones of, of what Herod, his grandfather, built. They, that is the largest, right, at Caesarea, largest man-made, um, what do they call that, port uh, in that day, right in Caesarea. All man-made took all this stuff out there, and, and there, there, that throne that he was sitting on on that particular day, the people kept shouting the voice of a God and not a man, right there in verse 22. Now, if you've ever heard of Josephus Flavius, he's a historian who was a former uh, general of the army that in the days of, of the Greeks overtaking, excuse me, was it the Romans? The Romans overtaking the Jews, instead of killing him, they conscripted him to write the history of the Jews. So it's a great resource. He actually talks about this event. So from the secular historical record that Josephus wrote about, it says, apparently Herod went down to Caesarea, held some shows and games in honor of Roman Emperor, Emperor Claudius. So th this is what's taking place on the throne. They're having games. What they uncover in Caesarea, oh, there, there's a Colosseum there. Well, not a Colosseum. There's a, what do they call that? A theater? And Hippodrome, that's the word. And so they did these things there. And, and as Josephus writes about it, on the second day of these shows, he put on a garment made entirely of silver. In the early morning, walked into the theater, and the rays of the sun struck the silver, his garment shining resplendently, that's how you know I didn't write it because I don't use that word. The people of Tyre and Sidon who had come seeking a favor stared in amazement and eventually one after the other cried out, he is a God. Now, if you follow history, this is where the Caesars go, right? Now, I know this is Herod. I know this is a little king. But the worship of the living, they started out by worshiping the dead Caesars and they would start, you know, a pinch to, to, in an oath to honor that Caesar is Lord. And that's the thing, that's where the Roman Empire went. And then they began to worship the living Caesars as gods. 
in this day when they're declaring that Herod is a God. And then Josephus records that they added this phrase, be thou merciful to us. So they need food, right? He's angry with them. And so now they start giving, oh, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. Isn't that reserved for God? And that's the point. For although we have hitherto reverenced thee only as a man, yet shall from now on we uh, now on own thee as a superior to mortal man. The king did not rebuke them or correct them, reject his impious flattery. Back to 1223, we'll get what the Bible says. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. So Josephus' account agrees with what the Holy Spirit put in the book of Acts as Luke wrote it. Immediately the angel of the Lord struck him. He did not give glory to God. It says he was eaten by worms and he died. Josephus records that at that place, uh, that um, let's see where I have that written down. Oh, suddenly he started suffering violent pain in his bowels. Herod exclaimed to his friends, your God has already come to his life's end. And when he whom you saluted immortal is going away to die, pain increased so severely that he had to be carried hastily into the palace where five days of torture he died at the age of 54. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. See, and, and the church praying, and, and, and I love, I'll give you another one. Um, well, this was also Reese Howells, I think, towards the end of what God had showed him to do in praying. Uh, he he was alive and, and continuing Christian ministry, supporting the work of the gospel throughout the world, all the way up into World War II. And in the leading up into World War II, you know, praying and seeking God's will, and, and, it, and it began, Lord, Lord, we... We, we asked for peace. They were praying for peace, that the gospel could continue. And when Hitler intervened by attacking one of the countries that they had been serving and working and praying in Africa, the, Africa was on the verge of revival when Hitler attacked. See, we don't think of the spiritual aspects often concerning what war meant coming into the world, bringing an end to the gospel in that nation where God was saving many. See, and so then they had been praying for peace because you, you want peace so the gospel can go forth in times of peace. And as they're praying for peace, and then it became apparent as, as Hitler began to gain ground, conquer nations, started killing people, doing all these things, their prayers turned as they continued to seek the Lord by the will of God, and their prayers turned to, Lord, destroy the beast. And that's what they began to pray. And he gives record of God answering prayers specifically as they learned they would have all night long weekends like we're praying fasting and praying this weekend and we're praying for god to destroy hitler that for god to destroy for god to bless and they're and they're praying into d-day for for victory see a lot of people don't realize the power that was behind some of that was actually answered prayer now come to the end of this tonight and and i really want to come to this because it's 12 24 and just i mean Simple, simple verse. If you wanted to memorize a short one, and you wouldn't even like, even say, well, I'm so glad I memorized this, but the truth of it, right? The word of God grew and multiplied. So what happens, right? Herod, under the influence of Satan who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, lays a hold of one of the apostles, 
trying to please man, trying to please the Jews. What the Jews could not do to stop what God had begun amongst the Jews, the work of salvation, the Messiah of Israel, the Jews couldn't stop it. So Herod, in, again, in seeking to please them, he tries to stop it. Instead, Herod's life has ended. You understand Hitler. He, it's even, uh, there was a man who wrote a book, and he called it 30 Minutes with Hitler. And he would just do these little interviews with Hitler, and he'd take these notes, and, and he would ask questions. He'd write these answers. And out of his interviews with Hitler came this truth. He says, Hitler's statement was, when I kill Jews, I fight against the Ten, Command- the Ten Commandments. Because he recognized they had been given, God given to his people Israel. And so it was satanic. And this is the thing. And nevertheless, the word of God grew and multiplied. It was Voltaire, you know, very popular atheist, all of his writings, boasting empty boasts and described, and he prophesied, not by his God, or maybe by his God who was powerless, but prophesied that in, a, in, in about 20 years, the word of God would cease to exist in, in, in all of France. Well, I love the truth that after he died, Bible translators bought his house and began to translate Bibles out of his house. The man who boasted that the word of God was going to be dead, and he's not alone, is he? And those that had stated that God's done. So the word of God multiplied, grew and multiplied. Herod says, we're going to put an end to this by taking care of the leaders. God says, no, you're not. You're, you're done, but they're not. And think of how the gospel has gone forth after World War II. See, Satan wanted to, to rule the world for a thousand years then, didn't he? You do know the Antichrist is not going to be shooting for three and a half years. Being the false Christ, what is he going to be proposing to the world? A thousand year reign. He's not going to be proposing three and a half years, right? Because the Christ, according to scripture, is what? A millennial reign. You know he's going to be boasting falsely. See, with understanding, none of those things happened. The word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned after coming up right to Jerusalem with, with money that had been gathered together, supplies for the church, meeting the needs, very natural activity, right? Praying, meeting needs, they're there, and they bear witness. Luke, I mean, Luke writes what they saw. That while they were there, Peter had been delivered. God, it makes an end of Herod. The word of God grew and multiplied. Gentiles are already being saved. The Jerusalem church is now protected again from the attack of the government and the Jews. And they're safe. And now the word of God is growing and multiplied again. Uh, Saul and Barnabas, they fulfilled their ministry. They take, they take John Mark back with them. And they head back where? To Antioch. Now, I love the word of God. I learned so much about God. And again, as you as you read those books that cause you to learn who God is like and what is, how does the Holy Spirit work and how does the Holy Spirit answer prayer and, and how did prayer work together and how God supernaturally does these things, I stir you up, I stir me up unto love and good works concerning one simple prayer. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And let's just become desperate in that realm. If there's one thing we need in the days that we're living, we need the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord, power to be witnesses. We need his love. 
Anybody else sense love growing cold? I know the Bible says lawlessness abounds. We can study lawlessness abounding. It's all documented. Thank you to the AP and to all the other news sources. It's a, you don't even have to search the scriptures to find prophetic stories going on. They're on the surface now. But I do believe that, that God will bring an end to the kingdom of man and set up the kingdom of his son. And the true millennial kingdom will only be when Jesus Christ comes to set it up. The false Christ will be boasting a thousand-year kingdom and he'll get three and a half years. Because Jesus comes back interrupting his thoughts of a thousand-year reign, riding on a white horse, sword proceeding out of his mouth, word of God. Uh, what do you, how do you understand that? He's going to destroy the armies that have gathered together to fight against him by the word of his mouth. And the word of God grew and multiplied. What's that kingdom going to be like? Well, Jesus then is going to set up his throne. And from that point forward, there is no more kingdom of man. It's the kingdom of the Son of God here on earth. So I'm up for that. In many ways, the book of Acts goes right into the book of Revelation. If you really understand that, book of Acts didn't quit. Book of Acts will continue all until the days of the coming of Jesus Christ. So may the Lord bless you. May you be stirred up. May you be encouraged. May you trust. Again, wherever you're at tonight, I simply bring you to that one prayer. How much more will the, the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What is that, Luke eleven thirty-five? if I have the right address? So anyway, let's pray. Here we are tonight. Heavenly Father, seeing the power of answered prayer by the working of the Holy Spirit to deliver Peter, the word of God multiplying, how you sent an angel to kill Herod. Lord, How we talk about history. I bring up other examples. Even when we don't know, Lord, we trust that you're at work in the things we cannot do. We ask for your truth, your justice, your righteousness. Lord, we ask for vengeance upon those who are killing the innocent. We ask for your power over those that would want to continue, continue babies, uh, baby murders, Lord, that you would bring an end to that, that you would actually take the lives of those who are taking the lives of the babies, that your power would be at work, and that we could see your word grow and multiply, Lord, that you would bring an end to the working of Satan, and that you, Jesus, would come quickly. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So may the Lord bless you. May you not be afraid of a weapon of prayer. This isn't tender prayers to make the person you're praying for feel good about you. We're sending our prayers your way. I, feel, I felt it when you were praying for me. Hey, let's take up the weapon of prayer and make a difference concerning, concerning what you're seeing. You read the news, do you pray? You, you, do you find out, oh no, bad drugs in town again last night. Four people died by drug overdose last night. Do you care? You, you see where this starts to stir you up and like, man, people are dying and, and dying and, and, and maybe going to hell because they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm stirred up, right? So God bless you. Reese Howell's intercessor, if you're interested, right? Ministry of Intercession by Andrew Murray, right? Weapon of Prayer, E.M. Bounds, Right? Power through prayer, I think, as R.A. Tori. So I have them all somewhere on some resource that I can make available to you.
or points you in the right direction. So God bless you. You're at liberty.